Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. uncomfortable yet (laughs) and that was just one minute so let me ask you a question how long can you do nothing before you start to feel uncomfortable anxious guilty maybe that you should be doing something or working A lot of us are really good at going and not so good at stopping. Have you ever taught a kid to ride a bike? Uh, My kids are range range in age from 21 to 10. So way back in the day, uh, when my wife and I were first trying to negotiate how we were gonna do all this parenting thing, uh, we were having the conversation about bike helmets or no bike helmets. And while we're having the conversation about bike helmets or no bike helmets, my son, gets some momentum on his bike and starts going, gets to the end of the cul-de-sac, crashes, hits his head on a rock, and you know how much your head bleeds when you, when you get a cut on your head, and he comes home with blood pouring down his face, which pretty much answered the bike helmet question for us. If you've ever taught a kid to ride a bike, you learn very quickly that the getting going, once you get some momentum, it's not the going that is the problem. The problem is the stopping. And if you don't learn how to stop, at some point, you're going to crash. So we are in week two of a series called Rhythms of the Soul, and today we're gonna talk about the rhythm of Sabbath, which is really about one word, stop. Uh, Do you you know what uh, blue laws are? Blue laws are laws on the books that govern what can and cannot be done on a Sunday. So so let me start with this question. How many of you are old enough to remember a time in American society that Sunday felt distinctly different than the other six days of the week? Like there was less traffic on the roads, restaurants were closed, stores were closed. Like Sunday was a distinctly different day than the other six days. Raise your hand if you can remember that. Now, just keep them up. And I want everybody in whatever room you are in right now, look around the room. That's a lot of hands. Okay, you can put them down. Uh, There's a certain age point where that has not been your experience in the United States of America. 
There was a day and time where our society, our culture, actually was in a rhythm of Sabbath. We are no longer. We are no longer uh, living in a society that will cheer you on or help you observe Sabbath. And so you have to kind of figure out this rhythm, and, and in some ways it's going to be countercultural. Blue laws are laws on the books that govern what can and cannot be done on a Sunday in the United States of America. And this started very early in the formation of our country as laws were starting to go on the books and what kind of country are we going to be. And it was the Protestant Christians who from their Bibles were observing Sabbath. And the reason in the United States of America Sabbath was, was a Sunday is that that is when the Protestant Christians were worshiping. And so Sunday, from the very early days of the United States of America, became a distinctly different day than the other six days of the week. Uh, and then for non-religious reasons, other people groups started to pick up on this, like labor unions, fa uh, workers, like, oh, that, oh, some rest every once in a while would be a good idea. So there's blue laws on the books. Uh, still today, uh, in, in Illinois, in our, in our state, uh, here are two. There's actually fewer blue laws in Illinois than, than a lot of other states, but here are two. Uh, one, no horse racing on Sundays in the state of Illinois. And now this is a convenient out, unless the municipality allows it. But it is a state, it is a state law in Illinois, no horse racing on Sundays. Um, or this one you might be aware of. Um, if you wanted to go shop for a car today, good luck, unless you do it online, because car dealerships are not allowed to sell you a car or do business on Sundays. I promise you all the car dealerships are not closed because all of the car dealer owners got together and said, hey, let's all close on Sundays. That's a blue law. There are laws on the books that govern, in some ways, Sabbath uh, in our country. Uh, I found this. This is an old posting from Toronto, Canada, about laws governing Sabbath, or what you can and cannot do on a Sunday. And so they're going to they're put this on the screen. And I'd like you to look particularly at number seven that says uh, this. All gambling, tippling. Uh, I had to look that word up. I didn't know what it meant. It's drinking alcohol. All gambling, tippling, using profane language, and all other acts that disturb the public quiet. What an amazing law that one day of the week you can't bother me and I can't bother you. Outstanding. But today, today, as we sit here in the United States of America, there is very little external or cultural pressure for you to Sabbath. In fact, culture, if you just go along with culture, it will steer you in the exact opposite direction to live a 24-7 life where it's go, 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 go. And when you get tired, drink a five-hour energy. Go, 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 go. When you get tired, eat a protein bar. Just go, 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 go. You'll read articles on productivity and how to slide one more task into your day. Everything about the culture that we're living in is trying to get you to go 24-7 and make you feel guilty if you don't. But we need rest. We need rest for our souls. And it's not just as simple as saying, I'm gonna take another vacation. You know this, why? Because most of us, when we come home from vacation, what do we say? I need a vacation to rest from my vacation. Vacation isn't gonna bring rest to our souls either. Now, this idea of Sabbath, I'm gonna admit something on the front end here. This idea of Sabbath and Sabbath keeping 
can seem so antiquated, so idealistic, so impossible that chances are, even as you and I explore the scriptures today, you're gonna have an argument going on in your heart and mind about why this is the kind of sermon that might be for other people but not for you, or why this is one of those sermons that's kind of in the margins of Christianity that you can just kind of blow it off as, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard about Sabbath. Can I ask you a question? How are we all doing? How's your soul? Do you feel like you have deep contentment and rest in your soul? How do you think our society is doing with mental health? How do you think we did going through the pandemic? As we keep going nonstop 24 seven, we're wearing ourselves down and our souls are dying. We, are, we can die on the inside out. And, and God has created things in a way that he, where he has said, there are certain rhythms that I have put in place. There are certain ways that I designed you to work and my universe to work, and we would do well to listen to the voice of Jesus on this. Because just like kids learning to ride a bike, most of us are really good at going and really bad at stopping. And if we don't learn to stop, at some point, we're going to crash. When we get weary, when we get burdened, when our souls are dying on the inside, what happens then is the enemy of your soul sees an opportunity and then he comes in. When you're tired and you're weary and he gets you to say destructive things and do destructive things and chase down destructive things as coping mechanisms and then he just starts to pile on and it brings death and destruction, but there is a better way. There is a better way to be a human being in the world that God has created. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna explore the scriptures uh, and explain Sabbath a little bit, and then we're gonna talk about how do we implement Sabbath rhythm. So, so let's take a look here. Matthew chapter 11. It's an invitation from Jesus. I want you to hear this invitation from Jesus today. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Now here's what's interesting in Matthew's gospel. Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, come to me, learn from me. Let me show you a better way. And he says, take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is? It's, that, it's the bar that people put across their shoulder to carry things, right? So maybe sometimes there's a bucket on either side. And to this day, all over the world, people still use yokes to carry weight. And Jesus is saying, would you take the weight that you're, you're currently carrying, take that yoke off and put my yoke on your shoulders. Let me show you a better way. Would you learn from me? Would you take that yoke off and put my yoke on? Because if, if, we, will, if we will accept Jesus' invitation for him to be Lord, for him to show us how to be a human being in the world that God has created, if we will accept Jesus' invitation, what he says is, you know what you're going to find? what you're not finding doing it your own way. You're gonna find rest for your soul. That's different than just taking a nap and feeling physically replenished. 
It is a completely different kind of rest. Now, interestingly, in Matthew's gospel, immediately following Jesus' invitation to come and to learn from him, there is a conversation of Sabbath. And so it goes like this in Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went throughout the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, the religious leaders, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath because they're working by, by picking the grain. And Jesus answers, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but for only the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So, so the Pharisees see Jesus' disciples doing some work because they're walking through a field and they start picking the grain. And the Pharisees start saying, well, there's something wrong with your disciples. They're doing something wrong because they're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus has a few responses. The first response is, you guys have selective memory. So think about the temple. Think about who runs the temple. When you're observing Sabbath, there are people working, running the temple. Okay, so for example, today might be your Sabbath day. It's not my Sabbath day. I'm up here working right now. I have a lot of things to do today because I'm a pastor and everyone, a lot of people that are on church staff, this is a work day. And so Jesus is saying, one, mm, you're so focused on the rules and the nitpicky specifics that you have forgotten the heart of what Sabbath is. Uh, and, and then he also says this at the end. He says, the son of man, referring to himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. So what he's saying to the religious leaders is, uh, let's flip this. How about you not tell me what Sabbath is all about? How about I tell you what Sabbath is all about? And so right from the beginning in Matthew's gospel, we see, we see Sabbath rhythm, but we also see Jesus saying, don't be so nitpicky about the rules and the specifics. Embrace the heart of Jesus' invitation to learn from him and learn a better way. And so, and so we move on with the exploration. Mark chapter two. Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the son of man is Lord of even the Sabbath. Here we, here we go again. Jesus saying, I know what I'm talking about. This one we need to embrace. We need to take Sabbath, observing Sabbath, Sabbath rhythm, six days of work, one day of rest. We need to take that Sabbath rhythm out of the category of just another religious obligation and we need to embrace the fact that Jesus himself said, man wasn't made for Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. In other words, God did not create you just to put you in his creation and to give you a list of rules that you would have to struggle to follow for the rest of your life. That is not why God created you. And Sabbath is not just another religious rule or a religious obligation. It is a rhythm that God has designed from the very beginning so that we can be satisfied, contented, thriving people. Sabbath was made for us. God created Sabbath rhythm for us because he loves us. 
It don't flip it. As soon as you flip it, you're, it's gonna become all about rules and obligation and guilt and another thing that good Christians have to do. That's not what Sabbath rhythm is all about. Then in Genesis chapter two, it says this, the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. So God is creating everything, right? Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. God is working, he's creating. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, let's, let's just unpack this for just a little bit here. He works for six, he rests on the seventh, and it says he, God himself, from the very beginning of creation, takes that seventh day, blesses it, and makes it holy. Holy is just a Bible word for set apart or distinctly different. So God, from the very beginning, said six days of work, ordinary days, seventh, a seventh day that is distinctly different. And it says God rested. And a lot of times, here's how you hear the conversation. Well, if God had to rest on the seventh day, so do you. Okay, let's, let's just stop that because this is not what was going on. It's not like God was working, doing the work of creation, and day one, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm cruising along, I like my work. Day two, whoo, I'm getting a little bit tired. Day three, day four, oh gosh, whoo, day five. Oh, those animals were a doozy to make. I am, I still have to make humans. Oh, oh, I'm so tired. And he gets, he gets through day six, and he's like, whoo, I need a nap. God rested on the seventh day. Is it because he was tired? Did he need to replenish his physical energy? Was he just like, I just took on too much? Whew, I didn't see that wall coming. Oh, I'm so tired. Is that the God that is revealed to us in the scriptures? My Bible tells me that my God never sleeps or slumbers. My Bible tells me that we are finite creatures, which means we do not have an endless supply of energy. You and I do need physical rest. God, omnipotent, all-powerful. He doesn't need to nap. He doesn't need an energy bar. He doesn't get tired. There's nothing too difficult for him. He is infinite, omnipotent. So if God didn't need to replenish his energy, if he didn't need a nap, if he's omnipotent, then why in the world would he rest on the seventh day, and then why throughout the remainder of the Bible would it continue to point back to that moment and say, God set up this Sabbath rhythm, six days of work and one day of rest. So what is this rest and how does that inform how you and I think about Sabbath? Well, let me do my best shot with this. So uh, a few years ago, I was on a business trip in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I was with a friend of mine and we had the better part of a day to kill, and so we asked around, what do you do in Little Rock, Arkansas to kill time? And we kept hearing, oh, you have to hike up Mount Pinnacle. So here's a picture of Mount Pinnacle. And we're like, okay, we got better part of a day to kill. Now here's what you need to know about the person I was with. The person I was with, his hobby, what he does in his spare time, is he's a mountain climber. <laughs> so he's got like, crazy strength, like in his arms and forearms and legs. He knows how to do this. He's in really good shape. I, on the other hand, am Mr. Average Joe. 
So here we go up Mount Pinnacle, and he's cruising and loving life, and I'm stopping, I'm, and he's younger than me. So I am trying to keep up and not show how tired I am, uh, so I'm stopping. Whew, and I just, just stretching my hand, he's out. That's all I'm doing. Water, take a break. Okay, now, eventually we get to the top of Mount Pinnacle, and I want you to see the view that we saw from the top of this mountain. Beautiful. Now, just for the sake of argument, hypothetically, let's pretend that I was in amazing physical shape that day, and I just kind of cruised up that mountain. Uh, my heart rate never accelerated. I didn't need any water. I wasn't tired. I didn't need to rest. I could have gone back down the mountain, came back up, went back down, came back up. Like, I didn't need to physically rest. Here's what I would tell you. I still, even if I didn't need to replenish my physical energy, I still would have rested on the top of that mountain. And it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have been about just physical replenishment, it would have been about enjoying being at the top of that mountain. The view, the breeze, God's creation. Sabbath rhythm, when we say six days of work and one day of rest, that rest is an awful lot about just being present in the moment and enjoying God and his provision in your life and life itself. In a lot of ways, it's just about enjoying. When the scriptures say that God created everything and then he rested in it, it means that God himself created and then wanted to be in it and he wanted to enjoy all of it in perfection with us. Rest isn't just about replenishing your physical energy, although we need to do that. Rest has an awful lot to do with enjoyment. Sabbath rhythm, six days of work, one day of rest. Moving on to Exodus chapter 16. Now this is, this is a part of the story where the people of God, the Israelites, are moving from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And as they're going through desert areas, God is providing them water, miraculously, and this bread-like substance called manna. And their instructions were to only collect enough manna for one day. And if they collected more than they needed for one day, it would rot and spoil. And the reason that God had them do that is because he wanted them to trust him again tomorrow for provision. But it says this, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers each, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses, and he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord, so bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left, and keep it until the morning. So he told them, only collect a day's worth because I want you to trust me again tomorrow. But on the sixth day, I want you to collect two days' worth. I want you to collect it, and I want you to prepare it so that on the Sabbath, you don't have to do the work of collecting or preparing. You can just enjoy it. And so even in the collecting of the manna, there is a, a Sabbath rhythm going on. So now another question for you. Do you have a day in your week? It doesn't have to be Sunday. Remember, I just told you my Sabbath day isn't Sunday. My Sabbath day is actually Friday. Do you have one day that feels very different than the other six days? That's the big question on purpose, intentionality, Sabbath rhythm. 
because there is a rhythm that God has implemented that is good for our souls. Now listen, Sabbath, Sabbath counteracts our two very worst tendencies as human beings. One is to never stop, and the second is to forget God. And Sabbath counteracts that. You know, the root cause of original sin and the root cause of all of our sin today, quite honestly, is we want to be our own gods. And so we'll never stop. And we'll forget the one true God that made everything, and we'll slowly become our own little gods. And Sabbath drives right to the heart of that and says, no, no, there's someone that created all of this, and there's someone that we need to stop and enjoy and acknowledge, and it's the one true God that created everything. Exodus chapter 20. Now here we go, Big Ten, Ten Commandments. Most of us know that observing the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, so here it is. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything that's in it. He rested on the seventh day, Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so here's another question. I'm not gonna answer this question. I'm just kind of musing this one with you. Of all the Ten Commandments, why would you think that observing the Sabbath is the one out of the ten that arguably we treat as silly, mm, maybe optional, uh, antiquated, just really not in step with modern society, right? So you look at the other 10 commandments, you go, no, those, those have some uh, timeless oomph to them, right? Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, right? We look at the 10 commandments and we go, yeah, those are pretty legit. Anytime, any place, those, I, I, I'm, I can pretty much be down with those. Sabbath, for some reason, we treat as if God put some optional thoughts in the 10 commandments, like, yeah, I guess maybe for someone that has the luxury of taking a day off. Maybe, just maybe, the creator of the universe knows how life is best lived. And maybe when Jesus says, come, come to me, learn from me, maybe what we have to do is set aside some of our thoughts, set those down, and say, okay, Jesus, I'm, you are Lord, you tell me, you teach me. I'll get in line with what, with what you're saying. And then Hebrews chapter four. Uh, Hebrews chapter four is a super complex, confusing chapter of the Bible, but in Hebrews 4, 9, it wraps up all of its complexity in some ways and says this. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's talking about the future. And so the, the whole conversation in Hebrews essentially is, one day, one day, Jesus is going to come back a second time and he's gonna set everything right. Sin and evil and brokenness and pain, all of that goes away and Jesus sets up the new heavens and new earth, restoring everything to the way it should have been at the beginning before sin entered and broke everything. One day, we will live in perfection. One day, everything your soul is longing for Everything you're looking to squeeze out of the here and now, one day, all of that will be ours. One day. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God one day, but we don't live there yet. 
And what observing Sabbath now does is it helps me have a right perspective in terms of my expectations of what I'm going to get out of life right now. I get tastes of that. I have experienced God's goodness. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And when he physically heals people here and now, it is a foretaste of then. When God speaks to you now, it is a foretaste of what it will be like all the time then. Every good thing we experience in the kingdom of God now is a bit of a taste of what it will be like always in the new heavens and the new earth. And what Sabbath does, when you take one day and you Sabbath, it helps calibrate your expectations. One of the reasons our souls probably are so weary is that we expect this broken world to be what satisfies our soul. We're looking for this broken world to bring what our souls are longing for. What our souls are longing for, only found in God. And only will really be complete one day in the new heavens and the new earth. We get tastes of it now. And Sabbath helps me temper my expectations of what I expect from this fallen and broken world. At some point, we gotta put it into practice. So I just wanna talk about Sabbath rhythm uh, for, for a bit here, and then we're gonna move into a time of observing communion together. Sabbath rhythm. Here is the biggest thing you need to do when you're thinking about observing the Sabbath. Think rhythm, not rules. Think rhythm, not rules. Six and one, six and one, six and one. Here, but to get the rhythm, you're going to have to create rules for yourself. You're going to have to say, there are things I won't do, things I will do. You're going to have to talk with your family, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever. Like, to set a Sabbath rhythm, there's going to have to be some self-imposed parameters and rules. But remember, Jesus' primary critique, almost always in the Gospels, is a fixation on rules to the exclusion of remembering the heart. So remember the heart of Sabbath. Don't focus so much on your rules, but you're going to need some rules if you're going to observe Sabbath. You follow me on this? I promise any, any question that anyone ever asks me about observing the Sabbath almost always comes down to their own rules, setting up their own rules. So as we look at this rhythm, here, here is my best coaching for you. Think rhythm, not rules. The real question is, are you accepting Jesus' invitation to come and learn from him? That's the big question. Do you have intention to observe Sabbath and put this rhythm in your life? That's the big question. How you make it work, all the rules, you're smart people, figure it out. Don't let the rules become primary. Let the rhythm and the heart be primary. Okay, Sabbath rhythm. First one's easy. On Sabbath, you stop. At some point, you just gotta stop. When you're working, you're going. On Sabbath, you're saying it's enough. God, you are enough, and your provision is enough. When you're, when you're observing Sabbath, what you are saying to God is, it's enough. Work is always about more, right? Producing more, improving things, creating more, making money. Work is always about more, 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 more. Sabbath is about enough. On Sabbath, it's about trust. To stop and trust that you're gonna be okay if you stop. 
that God is still in control, that God is still in charge. Work is a lot about control. Can I, can I tiptoe towards you and say something really uncomfortable? A lot of us are control freaks. And the reason, the reason we're addicted to work is because when we're working, we are operating under the delusion that we are in complete control. I'm in control of my provision, I'm in control of my security, I'm in control of my surroundings, I'm, control, I'm in control of this. Remember, the root cause of just about all of our sin is we wanna be our own gods. On Sabbath, what we're saying is, God, I trust you. Work, in a lot of ways, is about control. And so let me just remind you, all of us, of one thing. Before you breathed your first breath on this planet, God had a pretty good track record of running the universe, and I'm pretty sure that you could take a day off and everything's gonna be okay. If he needs you, he'll call you, okay? <laughs> Trust and control. Uh, Sabbath is about significance. Some of you really need to hear this. Oh my gosh. You are significant when you are doing nothing. I just want that one to rest on you. You are significant when you are doing nothing. Your value as a human being is not in what you produce. Your value is that you are created by God. He knows you intimately. He loves you. You're his. And he created you in his image. That's what makes you significant. Work is great and wonderful and there are things we need to be doing, but work is not where we find our significance. Sabbath is about significance. Work is about productivity. Two very different conversations. And then the last one in this rhythm is Sabbath is about enjoyment. Work is about exertion. Now, I just want you to look at the left side of that list for a second. Imagine your life where these things were true, that one day out of every week you just stopped for a whole day and said, God, you are enough, and what I have is enough, and I trust you, and I'm significant, and I just wanna take a day and enjoy all of that. I think things might be a little different if that rhythm was a part of your life. I think our souls would be different. I think our souls would thrive. Sabbath rhythm, six days of work, one day of rest, now, for those of you that are um, meticulous note takers, there's a third section in the notes in your app that say Sabbath sabotage. I'm about to frustrate you to no end and tell you that I'm getting rid of that whole last section of the message for the sake of time. But I'll summarize it by this, by saying this, what I already said. If you're really gonna accept Jesus' invitation to come, come to him and learn from him, you're gonna have to think this through. Think rhythm not rules. You'll need rules to establish a rhythm, but embrace the heart of it. Sabbath is not just another religious obligation. It is an invitation from Jesus to experience grace for your soul. So let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we're gonna observe communion together. Jesus, we, we hear your words right now calling out to us, extending an invitation to come to you, all of us who are weary and burdened, and to learn from you. And so, Lord, right now, uh, we, just, we hear your invitation and, and we're responding. 
uh, for some of us, we have a pretty good Sabbath rhythm, but every once in a while we get knocked off beat. Help us to identify those things that knock us out of rhythm. Uh, for some of us, uh, we've never really had this rhythm and it, it feels, we feel so out of step, this whole, this whole conversation, we're wondering how we would ever do that. And we just wanna come to you with it. Jesus, we wanna experience life the way you've created life to be lived. And so we hear you today and we accept your invitation. Amen.